so hello again welcome to lost in the lockdown we're back again uh discussing once again season one of lost but this week it's episode 15 and 16 uh, uh, homecoming and outlaws respectively and those are charlie and sawyer so we're getting towards the back end of the season now we're firmly halfway through um i think as of last week i want to say because it's a 25 episode season i believe mm-hmm. um so we're more than halfway through now it's gone pretty quick uh, it yeah, has it's... gone pretty quick hasn't it <laughs> it's so strange i was looking at the the uh when you think... like the episode list of, of the episodes that we've done i was like how oh, have we done seven of these already i know like, it's crazy it, it is but of course time has no meaning anymore but yeah <laughs> time yeah time is relative do you know what i was looking on the um on the on our main page and i've and we uploaded the pilot podcast on i think it was the 26th of april jesus <laughs> what I don't see that so long ago. <laughs> yeah so it, uh, next week it, next week it's two months old <laughs> <laughs> that's nuts that's crazy and i know it's crazy isn't it and i just i remember think, sitting there thinking if everything was normal, that wouldn't be so long. But the fact yeah. that everything's everything's still the way it is, you're just like, oh my god. Do you have any? Like everyone... Sorry, go on, Scott. I'll say, do you have any visual analytics or any sort of listen listening ship at all? I cer- I certainly do. I'll tell you what, I'll do some of those now for anyone who's listening and for our benefit. Bear with go me on, a second. Then. Go on then. If we've got more <laughs> we than do... twenty on average, I think that's I think that's an achievement. The last time I checked, overall, we'd had over 100 plays across all four episodes that we currently have. Okay. But I will, I will give you the bang-up-to-date figures <laughs> when my internet loads, because it's been stormy where I am. <laughs> so, 104 total plays across the entirety. So, thank you to those who have listened, slash downloaded or whatever. Mm. And... That is an estimated audience size across 30 days of 18 people. Yeah, well, that's, that's, not, are, that's not bad. Yeah, that's, nothing that. to, that's nothing to sniff your nose at. Uh, the most listened to thus far is the pilot, uh, episode with 46 plays. Uh, I feel like I'm doing like a football league table now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> coming in at... The bottom of the pile, but only our second episode was Tabula Rasa and Walkabout. That's 11. With a tie, it's episodes three and four, which was White Rabbit, uh, House of the Rising Sun, and The Moth and Confidence Man. And then the next one was Solitary and Raised by Another at 13. For a bit of a geographic, which is intri- I, I thought was quite funny, so 85% of you listeners are listening from the UK, which is very <laughs> nice. Nine percent from Australia, Good funnily night. enough. Mm. Um, so I don't know whom of us have any Australian friends, but it's exclusive to New South Wales. Okay, I know exactly <laughs> who that is. <laughs> it's Steve Clark, who's a friend of well, uh, some of you oh, might know him yes. on Twitter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. yep. Hi, Steve. In- which, which? Hi, Steve. <laughs> any specific part? Because even when I go further into New South Wales, I've got Ashfield, Lilyfield, and Glenhaven. Hmm, I know this in Sydney, so probably, unless it's an approximation, um, but I definitely know he's in that area, and he had followed us on the socials. Oh, cool. Thanks for listening all the way in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) 
So yeah, uh, we've got a two percent fan base in Germany. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I, North Rhine Westphalia and Thuringia. I don't know if I've said those right, but you know, my German is exclusive to listening to Rammstein. <laughs> <laughs> And then finally, a two percent fan base in the U.S. of A. Funnily enough, that's a split down the middle, fifty-fifty between New Jersey and Washington D.C. Thank you. So again, I don't know anyone in either of those states of the United <laughs> States, but thank you for listening. If you still are, and then I'll just do a quick one for the listening platforms. Most people seem fifty-five percent of people seem to listen to it through Apple Podcasts. Okay, makes that sense. Sounds about right. Yeah. So those are your stats. I can't get any more. Oh wait, no, I can. Apparently, seventy-two percent of you listen to it through an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, that's the, and only four percent of you through Android. I'm disappointed. <laughs> See that it's the way of the world, Tom. I'm Android man all the way. I, I, I find it really funny how people are so very anti one or the other like i hate android i agree and then android users hate iphones it's i think it's just just down to it's not even down to taste of it it's down to what you just find better to use in the operating system i agree i mean i'm kind of smack down the middle because up until two years ago i was iphone um so i'm kind of in that little clique who's had both and i value both of them in some way (laughs) But I just I just started to get on better with Android. So just a classic Switzerland you are just just neutral. <laughs> I defected at the moment I could straight <laughs> over. They they offered me 128 gig internal storage and unlimited data, and I was like, I'm there. Because yeah. <laughs> that's the problem with iPhones. There's not enough storage on them, and if there is, it's far too expensive. That's true. No, that's very true. It is. But anyway, we digress. So thank you to all the listeners so far. Uh, as we were just saying prior to hitting record, um, we have been... Oh, no, not prior to record. I think we were recording when we said that we've been doing this two months, <laughs> very nearly. <laughs> um, so time is but a concept, no longer matters. So we will continue to do this as long as we can. And that means forever, probably, at this rate. <laughs> so... Thank you for listening, and we will get stuck in. So, have you got any stats for us, Scott, for episode 15, Homecoming? Yeah. Uh, aired on February 9th, 2005. Uh, this had a 19.48 million viewership on air, which is another further drop since the series high, with whatever the case may be, which we agreed was one of the most underwhelming episodes. So, after that episode, it's people have kind of switched off. Um, Directed by Kevin Hooks, who returns after directing White Rabbit, uh, which was very, I think it was episode four. Um, Written by Lindelof, uh, who's kind of, he's he's getting a few episodes now under his his belt now, um, since the mid-season point, I think. Um, Birthdays, we've got Mia Farrow, uh, Joe Pesci, Tom Hiddleston, Michael B. Jordan, and Carol King. There's quite a few on this one. Um, and a little bit of trivia. 
on this date in 1969, the Boeing 747 flew for the very first time. So, there's oh, okay. a little factoid. Yes. Yeah. So, Some good trivia there. Yeah. I thought it's a bit, a bit like on brand as well. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and I quite like that it's uh, Joe Pesci's birthday as well. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah, quite a few significant ones. Um, I think I think the next one had, uh, I didn't write it down, but Kim Jong-il, who's of course passed oh, no. away since, but <laughs> 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 your classic dictator la- birthday. <laughs> oh dear. Well, uh, thank you for that. Have you got any more? Sorry, my bad. No, no, no that that was it. That's the birthday's little uh, bit of trivia for that for that date in question, and yeah, that was it. Wicked. Well, I mean, I I I was just saying to John before we started recording, um, before we get into the episode, one thing that I did read about was that uh, this is one of Lindelof's least favorite episodes that he's written for the show. Of him personally. Uh, yes. Wow. Which I was, I was probably a bit surprised by personally. I don't think it's a bad episode by any means. I do feel we retread a lot of ground that was in, set up in. I can't remember the name of the episode now. What was Charlie's first episode? Um, was it White Rabbit? No, uh, no, sorry, that was Jack. It was the moth. The moth. The moth. That's it. So I feel like there's not much more that he, he elaborates on, but we'll get yeah. into that. But the, I just uh, thought it was interesting how. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, I interrupted there. Sorry, no, no, it was just um, the the quote that I have here. I just looked it up. It says uh, from Lindelof himself: "Homecoming, I think, was flawed on almost every single level that an episode of Lost could be." <laughs> wow. Oh wow. That's... <laughs> I mean, yeah. I didn't read that much. I just know that he, <laughs> he didn't necessarily enjoy it. But yeah. wow, that's 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 a lot. But if he's yeah. talking about the British accents, I will wholeheartedly agree with him. Like absolutely <laughs> uh, horrible. It's Manchester via Honolulu again, guys. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> he's back this week, is he not, Liam? Um, oh no, he's not in this one now. It's another guy. Oh, he's not called, in this one, is he? Yeah, a guy called Tommy. Oh yes, Tommy, it's me. Right. Well, I tell you what. Then, on that note, let's kick into the flashbacks. <laughs> so, the flashbacks, I believe, are Charlie really at the height of his drug addiction now. So we've kind of gone on a bit from the events of the moth, where he was introduced to the drugs by his brother Liam, <laughs> um, and he's now pretty much at the height of his drug addiction. And to make money for said drugs. Um, his mate Tommy tries to get him involved with a lady whose dad is rich. So it's a kind of get-rich-quick scheme for druggies. I don't know, Lindelof, um, um, yeah, it's now when you say it, he's probably right. Yeah, as, as soon as I said that, I thought, hmm, there might be some credit to what he said. It's a classic thing of as soon as you start talking about it, you think, oh, shit, yeah, he might be right. Yeah. <laughs> So that that's really the crux of the flashbacks, and I don't know if you lads want to add anything. Obviously, we'll keep talking about the flashbacks, but at this time, that's really the crux of that these flashbacks. Yeah, it doesn't do anything anything especially revelatory. It's just like Charlie falls in with this girl, and then wouldn't you know it, starts to have feelings for her, and he gets found out at the end. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. Um, it is. 
The only thing. What does he that... steal again? Is it a, is it a Churchill thing? It's something yeah. belonging to Churchill, isn't it? I don't know what a, a cigarette case. Is that what it is? Cigarette case? Did you say? Yeah. I, think I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is. I'm just just having a wee Google there now. A uh, cigarette case that belonged to Churchill, apparently. Um, oh. And then and then he he sort of uh, gets a job trying to sell a photocopier, and it goes really That's badly. It. Yeah. Because um, it, he's in withdrawal. Yeah, it's really strange because it's up until now. Well, the previous episode, uh, the previous Charlie episode, was very. Um, it took it very seriously, you know. Like the, he had this this addiction problem, and in this one, where he's yeah. when he's selling the trying to sell the photocopy, photocopier, it's like a real comedy scene. It's like he's sweating, and it ends with him throwing up in the photocopier, and it's like oh, this is a bit totally. <laughs> this is a wee bit all over the place. <laughs> Like it should yeah, be tragic and it's and it's comic, yeah. Maybe that's part of Lindelof's issue with it. Then is that he maybe intended it for it to be a bit well more darker, especially since he's at the height of his drug addiction. Yeah. If yeah. he's um, who Lindelof? But I mean, <laughs> Lindelof, Lindelof. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I quite like how I think this is typical of any show developed when when like a US show, for example, has British characters and they have to try and pinpoint a british thing to the u.s audience so the cigarette case belonged to churchill because everyone <laughs> in america will know churchill mm. but they might not know i don't know someone else from his our history but it you know it's someone always famous yeah. so it's almost it's the same thing with like oh no not raiders of the lost. i was just thinking of like hitler's diary and stuff in raiders of the lost in indiana jones and stuff like that mm. you know? but do you know what i mean it's just it always makes me laugh when they think oh yeah they've done that because clearly Americans won't know anyone else other than that person. Yeah. But, it, but it's only like that is only like one step down from these shoes belong to the Queen. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, what would be next after Churchill? It'd be like, I don't know. I can't even think. <laughs> exactly. That's it, isn't it? <laughs> David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> he nope. played for Manchester United. <laughs> there was um, there was actually I, I did uh, notice one bit of dialogue which I thought was quite. Oh, I think I know nice. what you're going to say. I know uh, what you're going to say. I think as well, but go for it. You take this one. Um, the uh, the the young lady, um, British lady, quote unquote, she mentions about a company, like a paper company in Slough. Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Obviously, an office <laughs> reference. Very good because at the time. Office would have finished airing in the UK, um, yeah. and yeah, so high of its popularity. So nice to see that in there. Yeah, no, the uh, uh, the American one have been out by then, or I think that aired in two thousand five. So yes, yeah, it would have been just starting up then. Um, okay, but I guess to US audiences, it has still been fairly low key. That reference might have gone by the by. The the Slough reference, yeah, because it actually says Slough, but um, yeah. The name of the street where I think Dunder Mifflin is uh, on is Slough Avenue or something like that. So that, yeah, that like, is correct. Yeah, I remember reading that bit of trivia as well, uh, which is also nice. But uh, yeah, this this was um, this was a terrible um, flashback. Not not in terms <laughs> of the not in terms of the content because some of the content was like interesting because it all feeds into Charlie and what he's doing on what he's doing on the island and how he's trying to be more responsible and um, respectable mm. by um, 
by what he does, but um, it it really is the acting is so bad. <laughs> Both the, the the English guy in the bar, the Tommy who's the fixer for him, I think. Is he like his, his dealer? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, awful. <laughs> just really, <laughs> I, I completely get it because they can't. They, why would you just fly a British actor over? to film a couple of scenes it would have cost them uh, you know obviously like you know the flight in the hotel but if you just get a local actor or someone who's near you know nearby then um yeah that's expense and i think we've said it before as well um or if we haven't we'll say it now but when americans think of england it's just london isn't it london is england to an international audience, so everyone seems to put on a Cockney accent when they think of England. <laughs> when I um, when I went to Las Vegas about seven or eight years ago, it was like the second time I'd been there, fun enough. But when I went to the um, when I went to McCarran to come back, um, the uh, the the baggage handler, um, or it was that uh, you know when you um you put your passports in, they'll come at the check in point. Sorry, um, yeah. when he scanned my passport, he said, "Oh, you're from the UK," and I said, "Yeah." His whereabouts? I said, "Oh, just outside of London," and he went, "All right, mate." <laughs> <laughs> if I said Manchester, he would have said, "All right, mate," as well. So <laughs> it's funny you say that because when when we were just well, two things. First of all, when you just said that, it makes me think of Paul Rudd in forgetting Sarah Marshall because when he <laughs> says, "You sound like you're from London," it's, that's every, all, that is literally every American I think of when they say that. It's just. <laughs> Exactly his quote. But it's funny you say that about your accent in particular, because obviously when we went out, Emma and I went over for honeymoon last year, um, and, you know, we'd be getting like um, the equivalent of Uber over there. It's called Lyft. So we'd get those because it worked out cheaper to get to all the theme parks and whatnot. Um, But some of them were... You know, they talked to you and everything, and obviously they noticed that you were from the UK. But they were like, you could tell that they were like, where exactly? So we'd say, oh well, we're from Yorkshire, and they say, sure, like Shire. Oh yeah. yeah. So, so it's a lot of Yorkshire, <laughs> <laughs> and um, and then we had to say specifically we're from Sheffield, and they were like, oh right, okay, clearly not knowing where that is, and we'd say, right. Do you know who Sean Bean is? Yeah, I was in the same. Some, <laughs> some of them would go, some of them would go, oh, oh, Ned Stark. I'm like, right, that's where we're from. <laughs> we we speak his accent, and we go, oh, and they'd be like, oh my god, you do, <laughs> oh my god. And then some others would be like, I'm not sure who that is. I was like, have you seen Goldeneye? And they were like, what the Bond film? And I'm like, he's the bad guy. And then this one guy was like, what the guy who got dropped off the satellite? And I'm like, yes, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> You you came from his city, <laughs> but yeah, I know totally what you mean. They just they're baffled by anything outside of London, so it's a it's a very funny thing, very funny thing. It is it makes good you though, as well. Like it is good. I agree. I we agree. can still pinpoint one particular person from your area or your region, and people will know exactly. They'll recognize your accent straight away. The the other good one, the other good one uh, is some people who didn't know Sean Bean. We say, have you heard of Def Leppard? Because they are massive in America, oh. they're like bigger in America than over here. And be like, "What? Pour some sugar on me?" And be like, "Yes, we, that's we come from their city." And they're like, "No way." <laughs> okay, well, it, 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 it was a test then, right? 
Go on. With me, who would you assume? Well, Belfast. Killian Murphy. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not what I thought you were going to say. I thought I thought the, the, the one from here would be Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah. yeah, there is a bit of there is a bit of Liam there. Yeah, I just I immediately heard Killian for some reason, but okay, no, I could see that too. But yeah, Liam but Liam always... so, Liam's got an older Irish accent. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of other famous people now from here, but I can't. Oh, uh, your man uh, Jimmy Dornan, he's from here. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah. Mr. Gray. Mr. Gray, yes, <laughs> he's from just up the road, actually. When you say just up the road, is it like the Yorkshire definition of just up the road? Uh, that means like five miles away. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it's about five, ten miles away. <laughs> just up the road. That's yeah. <laughs> just who lives just down the road? Recently, <laughs> In another town, but you know, just down the road. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's only an hour and a half drive. It's just down the road. All right, we've digressed a little bit there, chaps. But that was fun. I enjoyed that. That's what this is all about. But I think really we can wrap up these flashbacks because we agree not there's not an awful lot there. Yeah. And ultimately it's it's a it's a well, it's not even really a rise of Charlie, it's a complete downfall. Yeah, the, the only there's thing nothing there. Yeah, the only thing that, that ties it into the episode really is um again the last scene, as they all seem to do in these episodes, but it's um what's the name of the Lucy? Isn't it Lucy? Is yeah. Lucy, yeah. Um, before she like kicks him out, she's like, uh, "Charlie, you'll never, you'll never take care of anyone or something like that." Yeah, uh, that's what which obviously says, yeah. feeds into the the Claire storyline. Absolutely, and now that can bring us on to the island events. So I've got written down here after going on Lostopedia, I think it was anyway, or wherever I got my information from. It's day twenty-seven now on the island. Um, and as we discussed last week at the end of Special, which was episode 13, Claire, the cliffhanger there, the little stinger, was Claire returning out of the blue from the jungle as Locke and Booney found her. Hmm. And um, this begins with... Uh, these begin with Locke asking her what happened, I believe, and she's got no recollection of anyone. It's the classic amnesia storyline. <laughs> yeah, I like I I groaned as like I f- I'd forgotten, yeah. and then when she was like, I don't remember any of you, I was just like, oh. Do you know what? I think Lindelof's on the money here. I'm not going to lie, lads, <laughs> <laughs> because he's throwing the tropes out here a little bit. So <laughs> she can't remember the crash, any of the castaways, which includes Charlie, mm-hmm. and um. So we've got that little setup, but then I uh, don't know if it's the same day or the next day, but Scary Ethan turns up and confronts Charlie and says he's going to kill one survivor each day until Claire comes back. Yeah. So I guess you've got a bit of a mystery there in the where was Claire, obviously, but mm-hmm. how did she get back? Yeah. Uh, but then you've got the threat of Lee Ethan, mm. who I'd, again I'd... at the moment is still in supervillain mode. You know, he yeah. can still kick ass. Yeah. Like, I really like those scenes. I thought they were actually quite. Um, like they were pretty tense. I uh, don't know if I go as far as to say scary, but um, they were definitely <laughs> tense. Um, Charlie just finds himself alone in the jungle, and then all of a sudden he's just like it's the 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 Blair Witch sort of thing, where he's just standing there, yeah. you know, not not doing anything. It's just like oh, I don't like that. That's creepy. He just appeared out of nowhere, and you're just standing. I think that's at me. 
exactly i always go back to just when he he a reason i say scary ethan is just that bit where it's revealed who he is and you know he's just staring at claire and charlie before mm-hmm. he takes claire mm-hmm. and you just think oh he's a good actor to be fair um he yeah, sells it, but yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's in proper supervillain mode at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, as we actually under- sorry, go on. I'm sorry, in that sequence where um, um, when John said Charlie's in the the forest and Ethan turns up, Ethan like grabs him by the throat and holds him with the tree and like lifts him up. Is Ethan a like, Superman? <laughs> yeah, he might be. Yeah. If, like, I'm sure, like, obviously, there's some weird stuff we have to find out about, about Dharma and, and everything, but. Um, is this sort of explained how he's so fucking strong? It isn't, I don't think, if I'm perfectly honest, okay. uh, because he he's kicked the shit out of Jack quite convincingly um, yeah. a couple of episodes back. Uh, he's obviously kidnapped two people at one time and still had the time to st- <laughs> and still and still had the time to string one of them up to a tree by the neck. <laughs> Um, do you know when when you break when you break it down, it is a bit silly, isn't it? <laughs> he's a super, he's Superman, Super Ethan. He, he, he is the he is Black. Well, who who's Superman's main nemesis apart from Lex? Someone who's as strong as him. Let's say he's Black Adam. He's Shazam's baddie. He's basically that equivalent. He can seemingly do anything at this point, um, which isn't the case for the end of the episode. But we'll get to there. Um. So, they obviously take this threat quite seriously, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they start setting up security measures in and around the camp to make sure that <laughs> Ethan alone doesn't get in. Yeah, because they only assume that he's the one coming after them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's right. They they set up uh, uh, what the word be command post watch. Everybody take yeah. a watch uh, on a corner of the the beach. Um, and it's it fails. Um, yeah. Gets somebody gets through, um, and it must have happened pretty quickly by, by like how the timeline works out in the episode. Because Boone falls asleep, then runs into the jungle. Um, yeah, and runs into God, of course. Vincent. Yeah, good old Boone. Uh, and then uh, Said and Locke join him, and then all of a sudden there's a scream and somebody's dead. <laughs> they did that pretty quick yeah. without anybody saying them. Yeah, I think uh, I made a note here. So Scott, unfortunately, is the one who dies. And I think Scott's appeared in one of the previous episodes we've discussed. Yes, Scott and Steve. He, yeah. Scott and Steve, yes. Yeah, so unfortunately, it's Scott. And a <laughs> bit of fun I thought was quite funny. The actor's name is Dustin Watchman. <laughs> 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 I had to have a little giggle to myself at that. But... Um, yeah, so Ethan slipped through and Scott's dead. Yeah, and it's pretty grim too. He says he's like, he yeah, it is. his neck, his arms, his legs, and all his fingers or something like that. Ugh. Yeah, horrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, so again, you've got this image of this literally all powerful human being who can seemingly do absolutely anything. He's invisible. <laughs> he's, you know, he doesn't have a scratch on him. You can't kick the shit out of him, you can't beat him. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I suppose um, again, I'm, I'm jumping forward again, but in later episodes, there is one of the others who seemingly can't die. So I guess it's not with like outside the realm of possibility for that is true. Strong. Yeah, that's that what I was true. thinking. You know, he must have had maybe there was some experimentation done on him as a kid. Yeah, supposedly, 
to make him more impervious to pain and mm. just a bit more stronger. It's not. Well, but, I guess. Yeah. I was going to say, don't forget, he's Horace's son, and Ethan's one of the only people to actually be born on the island. So that could be something that lends credit to that theory is that the island is this all powerful thing. And since he has only ever known it, Mm. you never know. It could be, we're assuming, obviously, but it could be something that lies underneath it. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so we get Mr. Matthew Fox for an appearance. Um, Hesitant at first, I've written, but he wants to use the guns from our dearly departed Marshall's briefcase. Mm-hmm. to set up a trap for Ethan and rather bizarrely I thought use Claire as bait <laughs> I don't know what everyone else thought about that but she went along with it so like without much uh, hesitation without much protest Claire she was like oh, okay like, <laughs> I don't even think she said anything because I mean at this point she's kind of started to remember things within, within that... a day <laughs> Because that, cause that happens pretty quick, doesn't it? <laughs> Again, so she's like, yeah, don't remember you chaps that well, but sure, if you want to have a homicidal maniac, try and get me, sure. Um, Charlie wants to join in, but they won't let him because he's, I guess, emotionally invested in the situation. And then... I mean, we're skipping through this episode, but there really isn't that much to it, unfortunately. It's a shame, but... Um, so, I think Saeed's along for the ride here. Kate is, Sawyer is, uh, Locke and Jack, and the wait in ambush for Ethan. Now, everything we've said about Ethan so far, you'd think he'd know this is a trap. But <laughs> yeah, I guess every bad guy has a bad day, but, mm-hmm. you know, he goes to he shows up, goes to grab Claire, and then we get this fantastic in the rain, muddy fight scene between Ethan and Jack, where Jack triumphs rather convincingly. I think he pummels him, absolutely yeah. destroys him, <laughs> absolutely kicks the shit out of he him. Does. Um, which again, as we've said, I think is quite bizarre given how they've written Ethan and built him up for him to be subdued so quickly and effectively as yeah. much as i love matthew fox is quite bizarre mm. i completely get the um because jack jack is very aggressive like overly yeah. aggressive um and that probably one of the only kind of interesting things about that episode or this episode is that you notice that jack hates letting people down or, or people yeah. dying on his watch so i think that the whole claire fiasco you know, with him trying to find Claire and Charlie in a few episodes ago, he was very paranoid and you know and um, determined to get them back. So I think this is just a follow-on from that. He feels like he's failed them, so he wants to obviously yeah. punish Ethan for causing that. Mm. Well, I guess we've 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 said, haven't we? How, how especially in the in, in early episodes, how in a way Jack is the superhero of the show. He is positioned in that that Superman-like role where he can he can do anything from a good point of view or he chooses to try and do that. Um, and then this is almost like, I guess this is like him facing his general Zod up until this point in the show. Do you know what I mean? It's he, it, he's, yeah, it's yeah. the hero and villain fighting one another. Um, Definitely. He just happens to get the upper hand really quick. I think but there's a bit... I, I was I, fine. I'm not sure who it, it is, but I, one of them jumps out of the tree. Is it Saeed? It just it's jumped, Saeed. He just jumps out of the tree. <laughs> it's like... 
Fuck it. So dramatic for no reason. <laughs> is is that right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I remember laughing, and I think it's because like the whole fight takes place, and then everyone's there apart from one person, and I can't remember who it was, but they just randomly turn up right after everything's happened, and they're like, is everyone okay? <laughs> I, can't, <laughs> I, I might be thinking of something else here, but it just... I definitely had a good giggle at some of it. I, know I do Locke, like the fight scene, though. Locke does kind of, like, run past the the, the screen. He just goes, Claire, you're okay? He just runs past, all, like, avoids all like, the conflict. <laughs> Claire, you're fine. It's okay. <laughs> We're not playing uh, board games anymore, Locke. This is real life. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, I guess, this is probably, the obviously, the, the peak of the episode, and... I want to talk about this a little bit because I remember initially how, I guess, I won't say soul-crushing because obviously he's the villain, but in terms of the mythology of the show, it was soul-crushing that Ethan ends up eating it because oh, he could have given, he could have told them so many things. They could have got to so many places quicker, but in the in the overall arc of the show, I realise where they went and I accept it. But Charlie takes Jack's gun, and instead of interrogating him, he blows him away. Um, <laughs> and his only reason being is that he deserved to die, um, which he did. You know, he's not a nice person. But I don't know what you guys think of that. It was very, it was it was tough to take, even on a rewatch. Yeah, I mean, I get why they why they're doing it. Obviously, to to prolong. Um the mystery about who these people on the island are but I guess he's the only person in the episode who had a reason to kill Ethan or had the most reason to kill Ethan but it still didn't feel right, it still felt yeah. very out of character um, I mean Charlie so far yeah. has been sort of happy-go-lucky and even though you know, the Claire being taken took its toll on him I don't, I still, I don't think he would have killed anybody No I mean don't, I always, I said this I've said this since I uh, first watched it when I was a teenager and I always said wouldn't it have been really cool if they did the flip reverse in that they took Ethan and then the others came after them and that's kind of how they got introduced mm. into the show almost you, you could have kept the Hatch storyline by all means mm-hmm. that was fine um, and obviously progresses to a, a logical conclusion um, but by keeping Ethan and obviously the whole crux would be he wouldn't say anything but I just like that character. I think there was so much more to him. I think there um, was a line of dialogue where someone, or maybe it's Jackie, says, like, you know, now we can't talk to him. And Charlie says, well, do you think he's going to say anything? So mm. maybe on the other hand, yeah. it, it was just inevitable he was going to die. Mm. I also thought it was quite out of character. And obviously, Charlie killing someone felt out of character. But also the fact that, I don't know if it's just me, but the fact that even though he's the bad guy, he was unarmed. <laughs> it's just that mm. there was this guy who more or less surrendered to them, begrudgingly, of course, but he'd more or less given up. He's unarmed. He's not going to do anything. And then he just blows him away and he puts about six rounds in his chest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he makes it count. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, make, he, makes sure he, he makes sure he's a goner, that's for sure. It's certainly a crime of uh, passion as well. I don't think it's just like, yeah. you know, he obviously cares about Claire quite a lot. Um, and tying him to the flashback slightly because he was told by someone that he was never going to be able to take care of anyone he wanted to ensure that 
Claire wasn't going to be in danger or immediate danger from this guy. So yeah, from that point of view, I can understand him doing it. But in the other, you know, in the sense of the the, sh- the story, I think you're right. Where it would have been more interesting to see if we did have the others, you know, come out on the hunt, you know, to try and rescue him. Mm. It's quite interesting, actually. It would have been really different. Uh, I, th- I think this is off the top of my head anyway, probably the first example properly anyway, where really flashback and uh, present time events don't really match. I think there's, I think the flashbacks totally detract from what's happened on the Island because the, they bear very, very little relevance to what's happening. Yeah. In terms of Charlie and his addiction. Yeah. 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 It's a bit distracting. Um, there's, there's, there's obviously a couple of like lines of dialogue, like as I mentioned about the, the taking care of people. That's probably the, only those few loose bits of dialogue you can really pull to the island events, and that's it. Hmm. Well, yeah, it, it's just, now that we've talked about it, I, I wouldn't say it's like Lindelof's quoted as saying, you know, like John said, he's it's flawed on almost every single level. I don't, I don't think it's as bad as he makes it out to be. But it is underwhelming for sure. There's a lot to dissect it here. And I think in terms of expanding the Charlie character, the way he did was probably perhaps not the right way to do it. Obviously he comes it course corrects and it gets a lot better, but just at this initial in these initial stages it feels like a retread of what's come before. And then having him kill a man the way he did, it was just a bit strange. Still loved it though. Still love. Still love Charlie. <laughs> I can't not. It's Don Monaghan. He's lovely. He's great. So are we? Are we kind of on a? Um, are we on like a middling ground on this one? Because I thought there were some good moments. I don't. I think yeah. it is flawed without a doubt. But I don't reckon yeah. it's as, It's not the worst episode well, that we've had. No, and I'll tell you what makes it middling for me is the final bit is where Claire, even though it's been completely full of cliches and tropes. It's such a lovely moment that she remembers Charlie's imaginary peanut butter. Oh, yeah. Um, early right at the end. Well. I really liked as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's just a nice little tag on the end to say, oh, okay, even though it's a bit silly that she just conveniently got amnesia at this point. You know what I mean? It's still a nice little moment to remind you that these two are almost the Romeo and Juliet of the island, I guess, is the best thing and, and that she wants to trust him basically so it's a nice little ending and that's what brings me back to thinking it's mixed well i think any yeah. moments with claire and charlie are always in generally i can remember them all being pretty good because i think they just play off each other really well like the two actors are very very good together um and they have they, really some, are. they have they're written very well as well you know, on the island so yeah i completely agree completely agree <laughs> Um, so with that, um, I think that's the end of Homecoming. That's everything to really discuss about it. Um, Production notes. Just before we, just before we move on to Outlaws, I wrote a few production notes. Yes. Um, so you've already we've already mentioned the paper company in Slough. So word up to the office. <laughs> um, William William Mapother, Tom Cruise's cousin. Um, Ethan Rom was actually 
very angry apparently upon learning of his death scene um because i think he'd either been promised more episodes or he expected to be in more episodes hmm. uh and he, he's quoted as saying that he felt sorry for ethan and had sympathy for him <laughs> just because you're tom cruise's um, cousin yeah <laughs> He's still not been in a Mission Impossible film, and I can tell you that for a fact because I fucking love Mission Impossible. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I mean, we know going, you know, jumping forward, he does appear in uh, like past flashbacks again later on down the line. Mm-hmm. So he does come back in some capacity, but just not in the present day storyline. Uh, and other than that, those are the production notes, really. Generally speaking, it got a. A mixed reception, as we've kind of uh, agreed upon. Uh, funnily enough, IGN loved it, which we've always had. We've said in this podcast, IGN is never a great source for everything. So, hmm. um, <clears throat> and obviously, Lindelof, by the sounds of it, hates it. So that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> it is what it is. So, with that, we will move on to episode 16 and Outlaws, which is uh, a James Ford episode, Mr. Sawyer. So before we kick into it, have we got any more facts for us, Scott? Uh, yeah, as usual, date of air viewership. So February 16th, 2005, uh, this had 17.87 million viewers. So this was approximately a one and a half million drop from the previous week. So they're, they're taking... Taking a bit of a kick in now. Um, I'm pretty sure, unless I'm mistaken, the viewership goes up to like another series high later on down the line. But for middle middle of the you know middle of the season, they're you know these are like the lowest ratings they've had so far. Um, written by Drew Goddard, who I'm sure we all know created Daredevil, the Netflix series Daredevil. Cabin yeah. in the Woods as well. Cabin mm-hmm. in the Woods. Uh, he also worked on Alias uh, as well with. Um, Abrams um, directed by Jack Bender who's done about 155 of these episodes now um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> the birthdays um, Elizabeth Olsen uh, John McEnroe Warren Ellis comic book writer uh, Mahershala Ali and we're going to have, have our uh, hip hop artist game here Ice T was born on this day. I want you to guess how old is Ice T. Okay. Ice uh, T. I'm gonna I'm gonna say in his sixties. I was gonna okay. say fifties. I was gonna say fifty seven. Right, so John fifty seven, Tom's in his sixties. I'll up. say early sixties to be more specific. Okay. He's sixty two. Oh yeah. February <laughs> this year. Even though, is even that... though, he he looks about twenty years younger than Snoop Dogg. Who <laughs> <laughs> established he's not even fifty yet <laughs> from previous podcasts. I think it's the. Um, I just think you know black people age very gracefully. You know, you only have to look at Sam Jackson; he's seventy-two and he looks amazing. But yeah. every, I just think black people are very, very good-looking people. <laughs> well, you know. Um, we all know the famous saying, don't we? But it's it's yeah. it's inherently true. They have just I don't know. They just have great complexion. 
it's just you great know. complexion, great genes. It's yeah. phenomenal. I will say, um, is Ice T? Oh God, is he in a metal band? Oh my for God. some reason, I, for some reason, I, I was going to say, what are you talking about? But I've got this thing in the back of my head, like you might be right. No, I'm sure he's. Be- Hold on, body count. I've seen him. That's it. Body count. <laughs> it's so bizarre. They played Download one year. They did. They they never like split up, but you know they've been very sporadic because obviously he has. He was a rapper and whatnot, and various people in the band do other projects. But it was really random because we were me and my mates were absolutely hammered, <laughs> and we were. I think we were in the tent, which was like the third stage at Donington, and. So someone we didn't even know they were on the bill, and some someone in the crowd was like, "That's fucking iced tea. What's happening here?" <laughs> and then body count, and I mean, it's heavy stuff. He raps over it, but it was wicked. <laughs> <laughs> a little fact: they've got a song called "Cop Killer," which obviously has a lot of had a lot of controversy at the time, but <laughs> even more so now. I'd imagine it's very um, poignant. Well, and also, been... they've got someone in the band. I thought, sorry, go on. No, no, I was just going to say. Uh, I mean, he's been. Uh, I don't follow him, but he's. I've seen the tweets appear over the past fortnight or three weeks. You know, from from him. Uh, just yeah, yeah, pretty vocal, but you know, makes sense. He's good. He's great. He's great. And they've got someone in the band called uh, Juan of the Dead. <laughs> <laughs> He's the he's the guitarist. He's from Cuba, but he calls himself Juan of the Dead. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, we'll move swiftly on. Thank you for that, Scott. Is there any more facts, or are we? Uh, okay, you got your your trivia. Uh, actually, no, it's it's terrible. Let's go to the episode. We can cut this. Video. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's literally nothing of yeah. significance on this date. It's it's a boring date. Oh dear! It's a couple of days after Valentine's Day, so there's not much going around. Is there when it was aired? <laughs> so, okay, so we will go straight in. So flashbacks. Um, now, I quite like this episode personally. Um, uh, this was when we were discussing the earlier Sawyer episode, which was Confidence Man. I think we all agreed that that was one of the weakest ones of the season at this point. Um, probably the most distracting as well because. Uh, I think at the time we said that the flashbacks, unlike um, the other characters that led off to them getting onto eight one five, Sawyer's didn't. Is that right? And me saying that? Um, I think so. I can't remember exactly what we said, but it just—I know personally, I was just a bit like, it, it's it's a bit hackneyed, you know, with his his tragic backstory. Mm. It, I thought it just tried a bit too hard to make him this yeah conflicted character. Um, that, that was just my takeaway from it anyway. No, I I completely agree. And I, I think this one does a much better job anyway of uh, at least explaining some of his motivations and essentially how he came to be. Mm-hmm. So this is um, him having a nightmare. It starts off with him having a nightmare, but it's the flashback within a flashback almost, but <laughs> hiding under the bed from... Um, his From dad, his who's clearly, yeah, his dad who's abusive. Um, his mum's obviously looking after him. He shoots her, walks into his bedroom, and then blows his brains out in his bedroom whilst he's under the bed. Now, 
I mean, what a way to start the episode, really. Yeah. Um, a very effective um, way to start the episode, I think. You know, you know, you may be in for something. It's it's a pretty horrible couple of minutes there right at the start. Um, I mean, I guess there's no way there's no way around it. It's it, it is just what Sawyer explains to Kate in the previous episode, but seeing it is is a lot more uh, disturbing than hearing Sawyer describe it. Yeah, and I think the way it's filmed as well, literally all from the child's point of view. Yeah. Uh, again, it just adds to the effectiveness of it. You only ever see feet. Uh, you only hear sound, certain sounds, and you know the sound of a gunshot. You know the sound of something hitting the floor. It's all from a child's point of view. It's just very disturbing, but mm-hmm. very effective. Does um, um, does Sawyer's mum before like she goes out the bedroom? Does she explain to him what's going on? Does she just does she just say like hide and stay quiet? I can't remember. Yeah, she just says. I'm sure, hey. she said. Yeah, it kind of starts in the middle of it where he's obviously been banging on the door and she's a bit hysterical saying you need to hide under the bed now don't make a sound stay under the bed mm-hmm. don't come out for anything kind of thing yeah she answers the door and she's yelling you know you shouldn't be here why are you here get off me and then you hear a bang and that's that um so yeah a very effective way of starting the episode i think for mm-hmm. sawyer um which then kind of skips forward in the flashbacks, but it's still a flashback. <laughs> um, and the T-1000 makes an appearance. Oh, Hell my yeah. God. Yeah. He's in for, a chair. Yeah, for one it's scene. A f- f- I don't even care if it's one scene. Robert Patrick, <laughs> the absolute <laughs> one of the best villains ever. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was really odd. Like, I, don't, I can't remember if he ever comes back into the series, but I just thought it was very strange to have somebody like instantly recognisable. Um, I mean, I, I imagine everybody knows who he is. Um, just there for one scene in the episode. Yeah. I just thought it was very strange. I think this was at a, a time as well when obviously the film work had sort of dried up, but he made so many guest appearances in things. Um, <laughs> Sopranos. He was in Sons of a- Sopranos, He's yeah. And that. he made, he was, and he had a really good guest role throughout Sons of Anarchy as well. As like um, a recurring character. Yeah, he was a recurring character from another charter uh, oh, okay. of the biker gang. So, you know, it was always like he just randomly appeared and you'd be like, oh, my God, it's T-1000. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, he was he was great in Sopranos. He was great in Sons of Anarchy. And for his one scene here, I thought he was very good, too. So we're assuming that he's a former associate of Sawyer. Yeah. Who, um, um, tells him that the real Sawyer... Because as we discovered, that's not obviously Sawyer, his real name as we know him. Um, but the real Sawyer is now living under an alias in Australia, which is obviously the motives that bring him to Australia in the first place. Mm-hmm. So you've already got a connection that you'd never really had in the previous Sawyer episode. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's um, as you say, it gives him gives him the, the the good motivation for for being there. Um, obviously, it's the uh, the man he's been searching for his entire life, or well, most of his his life. Um, so yeah, pretty pretty decent motivation there. Uh, unfortunately, it's well, we're going to talk about it, but yeah, 
I was yeah. I was I had a bit of a brain fart when when you when you said that, Tom. I was like, what happened in the last flashback? And then I realised like it was just establishing his um, him as a con man and how he yeah. didn't want to hurt that, that that child who was obviously the, yeah. the kid um, in that last scene. I just thought, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. We've not actually understood yet how so he got to Australia and his reasons yeah. for going there. And so that, that's what that's what I mean at the start. I think when we covered that episode it was the only episode up until that point to establish the main characters whereby it it's flashback didn't show you them getting on the plane or at least in the airport you know That's, yeah and we acknowledge that that was probably one of the weaker episodes because we didn't Absolutely. have that immediate familiarity of them mm-hmm. all getting to that point at the airport and yeah so, so i guess in a reflective way this episode kind of uh aids the previous episode in fleshing it out it makes it seem better but obviously when you just get that episode as it was confidence man it's just a bit meh but this obviously that, that laid the groundwork for what was to come in this episode so I th- i'd argue you know obviously the bit with the child at the end of confidence man you definitely get the feeling why he is the way he is now because of the start of uh outlaws with obviously his dad killing himself and his and his mom Yes, it complements so it much it, more. Yeah, it complements it much more. Yeah, so it's it's one of those. Um, it's a catch twenty two, really, from the writer's perspective. You know, how do you make this work? You don't want to, you know, put all your eggs in one basket straight away, but you may have to compromise in certain areas. But yeah, either way, we know that he's in Australia now, and this is why he's come to pursue the real Sawyer, who effectively ruined his life. And by that, we assume that obviously includes the murder of his his mother and the suicide of his father. Mm -hmm. Um, So he travels, he makes his way over to Australia. um, He buys a gun, I've got written down here. And he goes to... Dock, uh, harbour, that's funnily enough, right next to the Sydney Opera House again. (laughs) Oh, I wonder if... Whose hotel room was it? Was it Christian's hotel? No. hotel room. Was it Christian's hotel room? No, it was Boone's from last week. Oh, Boone's. Where, where Boone's. And Shannon have their little moment. Um, yeah. So yeah, he buys he buys the gun from the the I don't know what you call him, the dealer. What you, I don't know what you call. Him. Um, but uh, gunsmith. gunsmith. Wait, no, we're not playing. We're not doing Skyrim. Sorry. <laughs> not even Skyrim. Story. I don't know. Red Dead. Red Dead Redemption. I don't know. I'm, but, I've never yeah. bought a gun. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he, he buys the the gun from your man, and I thought it was really funny um, that this sort of scummy. Uh, I'm going to stick with dealer because I can't think of anything else. This the scummy gun dealer gives him the uh, like the you know you, you never know if you if you can kill a man until you're in the moment. It's like all right, man. I don't think I think just just give me the money and get out. It's like don't give me the moral lesson here. That's literally. In so many shows and films, and you just think the writers are like, right, we've been mandated to have two more minutes of time. How can we flesh it out? Yeah. Let's just put this very conventional line in this scene. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> so why didn't Sawyer just say, look, mate, you're dealing guns. Don't take the fucking moral high ground with me. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Look, just because you've not shot a man doesn't mean you're not you know, not morally responsible for what's about to happen. <laughs> And he goes oh, like, "No yeah. refunds if you can't do it." Like, like he just sort <laughs> yeah. to absolve any responsibility from dealing guns. He's still, he's still got the money though, whether he kills someone or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I've got. I don't know why I found this funny, but um, 
I've got it written down. So once he's bought the gun, he goes to a shrimp shop, which is where the real Sawyer is. But the fact mm. that it's a shrimp shop made me laugh, and I don't know why. Bubba Gump shrimp. Yeah, exactly. I've been there in Florida. It's great. Um, uh, I must co- I must say as well, uh, the real Sawyer's name is Frank Duckett. I've got written here after doing a bit of research to remind myself. He's called Duckett. So that's where he works at a shrimp shop. Um, and I believe he chats with him, doesn't he? But he doesn't do anything about him. He doesn't kill him or anything like that. Yeah, so I, uh, okay. it, yeah, it was a really weird scene for me because yeah, I thought, okay, if Sawyer was playing it cool, um, it would have been a lot more effective. Um, but there's this weird back and forth where Sawyer orders hot shrimp from from um, uh, Duckett. And uh, after like after like some really awkward silences, but then there's this really weird close-up to Sawyer and the gun, and Sawyer is is in the rain and he's talking like Batman in like a really deep gravelly Batman <laughs> voice, and <laughs> Duck is all being friendly, saying, "Oh, you know, where are you from?" This is our Tennessee. It's like, can you make it a little less obvious that you're pissed off at this guy? <laughs> just just try and I thought he was like uh, a con man. It's just really I don't know. Maybe it just speaks to Sawyer's inability to. Um, control himself over what he's over what he wants to do. You know, he's he's kind of determined, but he couldn't even like try to pretend. Yeah, that he wanted to get in. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's 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 very strange. And this episode and the previous Sawyer episode, I had the same sort of feeling. It's like Sawyer seems to be bad at everything that he does. Like he, he, like uh, there's later in the episode, like the on island stuff. He's no good at what he's doing. Um, you know, he, he can't uh, he can't try and play it cool here and with this guy. And then obviously, what happens to him at the end of the episodes? You know, it's just doesn't think things through. He just seems to just uh, like bowl in the china shop. Just go straight for it. Don't think about it. And then he, he cops out at the end of, of this particular scene. But it's just there doesn't seem to be a thought process behind it. Um, which again, not the jump ahead, but it leads into what happens. You know, it's, I don't think he mm. questioned it for a second. I think if if Robert Patrick had told him like a dog had killed, <laughs> had conned his mum and dad, you know, maybe they just right, just go and kill the dog. <laughs> it's that thing that I think we've said before as well. Like getting from A to B is easy, but it's that middle section that the, sometimes the, I think the writers compromise with just yeah. to get to B. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's like. We'll get there. How we get there might not be uh, neat, but we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but him not killing um, Duckett leads him to a bar. Um, mm, yes. And probably, arguably, our first very, very major crossover. Mm-hmm. I know we've had brief crossovers, which has always been nice. Uh, Sawyer, funnily enough, in Boone's flashback in the police mm. station. Um I think various characters have appeared in the airport scenes in flashbacks for other characters and stuff, but nothing too major. But this is the first time in the series where we've got two very key characters uh, yeah. from a flashback talking to one another. So in walks Sawyer and Mr. Kristen Shepherd is sat at the bar. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really good scene. Um, it is. I love it. Because, as you say, you know, it's it's the first flashback that has anything of substance you know that that relates to uh, sorry not the first flashback the first um crossover that has any sort of substance to it yeah uh, it's just it's 
it's a nice conversation and obviously uh sawyer takes kind of the wrong message from what christian is saying but um yes it's, it's a nice moment for for christian because he you know, we see that he gets, he has that self-awareness and that regret that obviously we don't see in the Jack episodes. Um, so it's it's just a really nice way to well, not look at him as such an arsehole for once, you know, because in the Jack episodes, that's all he is. Um, and here, you know, you get a bit of the humanity, which is really quite nice. Mm-hmm. I agree. And it's just, it's starting to piece a bit of a jigsaw together because obviously if you've been really watching it, you've heard these comments mentioned in previous episodes I think we like we said about um, like when Hurley dropped, you know, that he was a millionaire, but we've never seen him be a millionaire mm-hmm. in the past. It's the same here. Sawyer's before, as I'm sure he's mentioned something about a damn crazy guy in a bar in Australia somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just those fitting of the pieces. But obviously now, you know, from Jack's uh, flashbacks uh, with chasing after Christian you're filling in Christian's blanks here, which is mm-hmm. very interesting. And it also adds to the, I guess, the overarching mythology of the show in that everything happens for a reason. That's a big part of the show. Mm-hmm. But whether, like, <laughs> I think we've said it a lot before, but whether they planned it or not, the very um, religious motifs, I guess, by the end of the show, that mm. these people were meant to be together in some capacity and cross paths for a reason. You know, mm. it's all there, whether you like it or not. Um, but I thought Christian's message, like you say, he, he misinterpreted it. But Christian's obviously on the bender of his life, which <laughs> ultimately kills himself. Yeah. Um, uh, and he kind of start. He, he basically reiterates that pe- people are meant to suffer, doesn't they? Almost. Yeah. You know everyone deserves to suffer in some form but at the same time is he, he pissed or is he just been, <laughs> or is he talking I, like sense I, th- I, <laughs> I think it's it's weird because he's clearly obviously we know he's an alcoholic and he's clearly pissed but in a way it's the most sincere he's ever been because he says he wishes he had the strength you know to call his son and we know that to be jack and tell him how proud he is of him yeah and, yeah. and to fix everything and it's such a weird juxtaposition that even though he's clearly hammered and he's in he's in like the biggest downfall of his life that jack will never know face to face how proud his dad is of him and that's what we've always said in the previous episodes that's all jack wants him to say to him he just wants him to be proud of him yeah. it's amazing how this particular this one scene when you really dissect it, it filters throughout the whole show and brings starts to bring it all together. It's very clever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add there, but yeah, I agree. Sorry, I just went off on one because I really <laughs> love that bit. I just yeah. really love that scene. It's really, really well done. Um, so, yeah, you saw so, your... Um, sorry, Christian says that um, would his business in Australia ease his suffering? And that's what um, convinces Sawyer to to go back to the shrimp shack. <laughs> <laughs> the shrimp shack, Bubba Gump shrimp, he heads back. Um, oh, and he shoots him, doesn't he? Yeah, he shoots him. He does. He doesn't even hesitate. Oh, no, I can't remember if he hesitates, but he doesn't hesitate as much as he did last time. Uh, I think he more or less walks in and goes, sup, bang, straight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just calls him because uh, I think Duckett is at the back of the of, um, Bubba Gump yes. shrimp. 
and <laughs> he just goes he goes Sawyer and he just shoots him in the belly and mm-hmm. then um yeah well whoever wants to explain what happens after that if you've got it written down I'll yeah yeah well, uh, quite funny <laughs> it's, I think it's quite funny because it's like Sawyer shoots him um and then immediately like pulls out the letter I thought I just thought it was really funny because you know it's, it, he's had this whole thing rehearsed. He's going to make it the most dramatic, uh, over the top <laughs> thing possible. It's like I'm going to read you this letter, uh, and then he immediately gets cut off. Where the man's like, "Who? What?" Um, <laughs> and so I was like, it's, "You can almost just hear it just go wah wah." <laughs> and also, it's you pissing do. down with rain. So yeah, he's, he's reading the letters like, "Uh, sorry, uh <laughs> That's another funny thing in this show at the moment. Pathetic fallacies always pissing rain in when something oh, yeah. bad's happening. Yeah, that's a big last sort of motif. Uh, obviously, so- we've we've already discussed it in this episode with <laughs> the the Ethan and Jack fight, but you know that's a that's a moment. And then Charlie getting hung. I'm pretty sure it's raining or has been raining at that point. Um, it's just it's just throughout the show. But yeah, that last bit is yeah, it did feel a bit funny. There's a couple of uh, sit- unintentional <laughs> laughs in this episode for me. Um, we'll get the yeah, one. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, and and I think we've already said uh, like the Batman voice, but Josh Holloway in another life he could have been Batman. I think he's got a jaw for it, I guess. Yeah, maybe not Bruce Wayne, but definitely Batman. Do we yeah. um try and remember when he shoots Ducket and Ducket doesn't? Uh, you know, he says, "Oh, I, he says, oh, who?" When he calls him Sawyer. Um, the reason so T one thousand sent him to kill him. He just led him down the garden path, just so he could shoot this guy for him, basically. Yeah, I think so. Because he had yeah. money. Yeah, that's yeah, that's Scott, exactly it. Scott, I love how you set that up because it basically sounded like the plot of a Terminator film. <laughs> <laughs> it is. The T one thousand sent him to do this and that. <laughs> it's all Skynet. <laughs> Cybernetic organism. Uh, he sells I'd... hot shrimp <laughs> from Baba Gum Shrimp. <laughs> Get down! It's just uh, a yeah, another fuck up for Sawyer, basically, as as, as John's detailed. Um... <laughs> yeah, he's the king fuck up of this show. Bless him. I do, I do still love him, but he is the king fuck up of this show. Um. Which we can start discussing the island events now because that's really the end of the flashbacks. Duckett tells so you know it'll come back around to you, and that particular line has some bearing on, you know, the next bit. Which I believe, as we get onto the island, it's day thirty. We do have a note, do we not, that we have to get John to mention something? Though, am I correct in saying that? Yes. Well, this episode is all about the the boar that um, Said, the boar, exactly. Said, uh, Sawyer, you know, has to has to beat. It's his uh, Moby Dick, as it were. Uh, <laughs> yep. Watch <laughs> the episode. Uh, it, it's at the very end, um, you know, where he decides to do what he decides to do, or decides not to do what he was intending to do. I was like, oh, it's a metaphor. And then in my head, I just. Went, <laughs> Just a really stupid thing. I was like, oh, it's a meta bore. And I was like, that's all. <laughs> please, please tell me you said that out loud to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Just at least that local part of him. It's like, oh. 
I definitely do that so many times when I'm just sat with Emma sometimes and watching something. I'll go, oh, and, she, and she'll be like, what? And I'll tell her and she'll be like, I don't really care. And I'll be like, oh, come on. <laughs> it was just a terrible joke. It was the terrible metabore. That's all it was. <laughs> well, it's never going to be anything else now. Hail the metabore. <laughs> so um, on island events, um, middle of the night, Sawyer is woken by a giant boar in front of him and attacking his tent. And it runs away to trees with, I think, his tarp or his tent, doesn't it? It yeah. runs off with that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. He, ch- he chases after it and he hears the whispering in the jungle, mm-hmm. which we've already had established uh, with Saeed mm-hmm. um, in previous episodes. And then the louder whisper comes back with, it'll come back around. So we've got your links into your flashback there. Mm-hmm. Um, really, these island events, there's not a lot to them apart from there's one major bit, really, to my mind, but Sawyer, he talks to Saeed about those voices that he heard. Uh, oh, yeah. And this, I think this is... Go on. No, no, I, I, you might be about to say what I'm about to say as well. I just really enjoyed this, where just Saeed takes the piss out of him. Because <laughs> Saeed yeah. has never really been that type to to mock somebody so far on the island. But if there's anyone he's going to mock, it's going to be Sawyer. I've just really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I think that's what I take from it now is that even though there's definitely a well, it's a hate hate relationship at the moment, but when they do, it, it's almost like the school bully admitting they're wrong in a way, and he <laughs> kind of comes up to him very sheepishly to say, "I'm really sorry," or yeah. "Could you just tell me a bit more?" And the moment Say takes the piss out of him, he's like, "Oh, whatever, screw you." <laughs> but nope. <laughs> um. Because so, Saeed wants to know more about what he's heard, and Sawyer's like, "Oh, screw you! I'm, I'm, I'm off." Yeah. Um, and then it becomes, as John's so affectionately mentioned, the meta bore of the episode. Sawyer becomes very obsessed with finding the bore. Really, this the, the on island events are all about almost mocking Sawyer because Kate does take the piss out of him a little bit as well, doesn't she? Because yeah. Sawyer's convinced that this boar is personally after him. Am I right in saying that? Yes. No, that's correct. Yes. So Kate takes the piss out of him a little bit. And, oh, yeah, there's a drinking game as well I've got written down here. Oh, I love that of... sequence. I thought that was a really I've... good scene. Brilliant. I really did. Um, with the main revelation being that they've both killed a man. Mm-hmm. So... Yes. What do we all think? I mean, we know from the pre from the flashbacks, obviously in this episode, Sawyer's killed someone, mm-hmm. and we know in the past that Kate has too. But again, it's that jigs- this is almost like the first jigsaw episode. It, everything's coming together slowly. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a really really good scene because, as with most most sort of uh, well written scenes, you don't know that you're getting a whole load of exposition if it's if it's as well written as this is. You know, playing that game, never have I ever. Um, like as I say, so here uh, mentions that it's a, a college sort of game, um, and it doesn't feel like exposition, even though it clearly is. Um, I can't remember like all the questions that they ask, but that they build up to the, the the revelation at the end that they have both killed somebody. I just thought it was a very a very smart and really fun way of getting all that stuff across. And the scene goes from comedic and kind of flirty to. Well, where it ends up, where they're both a bit morose um, about the fact that they both killed somebody, because um, that—that's a scene that could have gone any number of ways. And it's like, oh, way to kill the mood, Sawyer, at the end. Um, 
but yeah, no, I just, as I say, really enjoyed the scene. It's a weird way of saying kindred spirits, really, because I, yeah. I, I'm always more convinced by Kate and Sawyer than Kate and Jack. But mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when it's just Kate and Sawyer together, like you say, there's obviously there's clearly that sexual tension, mm-hmm. fantastic sexual tension. But yeah, kindred spirits, and you know, oh, what do you know? We happen to have killed a man each, and mm-hmm. but but it's more than that. It's the reasoning behind it, and it's 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 just very well written. It's just and acted as well, very well acted. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, fantastic little bit of character development for for both, really. Yeah. Um, oh, the, uh, the the bit that the other unintentional bit that uh, unintentionally funny bit um, is when Sawyer has the the dream again, but instead of seeing like his dad's feet under the bed, he sees the boar. It just really made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, Because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> again, it's kind of like the polar bear syndrome, isn't it? Where the boar's obviously part CGI, but whenever they have close ups, it's kind of like animatronic furry. <laughs> thing running and I just, I just, always cl- yeah just the visual Sorry, was just, no, it's just the yeah. visual it's just really weird just just these four legs sad just, <laughs> <laughs> these little under them. <laughs> yeah. it just really took me out of it for a second then i was like okay that's, but, that's but listen that's for a show that's like 15 16 years old on the season that we're discussing anyway it's still it's still quite holds up quite well to be fair but oh, yeah, i agree no, no. I, I definitely had a good giggle at that <laughs> Um, so I've actually got here, I think this is the first episode. No, it's not. Apologies. Uh, it spans two days, these present day scenes. So next morning, which would be day 31. So we're in more or less a full month now of being stuck on the island in the present day. Um, Kate and Sawyer wake up. Um, Sawyer's belongings have been ruined whilst Kate remains untouched, which lends Sawyer more credit to the fact that this boar is personally after him and nobody else. <laughs> um, this island man has a weird way, doesn't it? And uh, we are then joined by our very lovely and mythical Mr. John Locke. Mm, yes. um, and he tells them the story, I think, about his sister dying very young. Mm-hmm. And the foster mother blaming herself and went into a depression. I can't really remember much more about that scene, but you know, I yeah, guess it, it kind of does. It, it does link into everything, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it Lux talks about how um, uh, there was, after her her daughter died, there was a dog that came back and uh, slept That's in the girl's room, and then Kate asks like if if she thought that the dog was um, his sister. And Locke's like, no, don't That's be right. silly. But what matters is that uh, his mother believed he did. Which I guess sort of feeds into Sawyer's... No, I, yeah, I, I think it does. And it, I think it's a very poignant thing. It's Again, it lends into the, I guess, the religious allegories in, within the show. But it's yeah. it's about what you choose to believe, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. that's true. Uh, Locke, Locke being a man of faith... Um, mm-hmm. And I guess anyone could have that way of thinking. If you if you firmly believe that you know a loved one who's passed is suddenly your cat or something like that, um, yeah, yeah. All, all, cre- all credit to you, you know. But I thought it was a good poignant moment, and again we get a bit of Terry O'Quinn, who I think we've all said we love very much. Yeah. Oh no, it's good. See, it's good. <clears throat> Do we? Um, Locke Lock tends to make these little appearances out in the woods unexpectedly yeah. is, is this just because i mean they don't know obviously but we have seen that him and bone have been focusing on the hatch so can we all just safely assume that 
he's there tracking and going back to the hatch, yeah. basically. I, 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 I made that connection, yeah. Well, that's <clears> what I thought. Because Kate says, oh, you know, what the fuck are you doing here? Or, or not exactly that, but she, she's quite surprised. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've been like, I just sort of had a little wander out and I saw your tracks. Just, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Odd. I think this is this is for, this is the part of the first season. I think we discussed it when we um, when we got to the first um, instance of the hatch and that cliffhanger way way back. But th- there's a good chunk here from then until I think the next episode or the episode after where Locke's not really in it. Um, he does pop up occasionally, but he's kind of put to the back burner whilst all this all these events are happening. And then the Hatch storyline comes way back into the fold um, with Boone's um, final episode, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right; he does pop up to offer these little tidbits of advice, and he's kind of like he's kind of like the the Gandalf of the island. I always thought he's just got so many wise things to say to people. He's kind of like Clippy, isn't he? You know, for yeah, Mark, yeah. Mark, Microsoft Word. Clippy, just like <laughs> what? What do you need help with? You look like you're trying to make a campfire. Right click and close. Yeah. I see you need some old timey wisdom and maybe a parable. <laughs> <laughs> but look at it this way like Smoke is the Balrog, Locks Gandalf. <laughs> I'm making too many allusions to Tolkien now. I need to stop. But do you know what I mean? I'm, I could go on forever about these allegories. But anyway, moving on. Um, so I guess it all kind of culminates with Sawyer catching up with the boar. And again, he decides not to kill it. But well, he fights the piglet hand... first, doesn't he? Oh, he fights. The... Yes, I forgot about that. He fights the piglet because he has a bit of a scrap in the mud, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 That's right. Um... Yeah. I guess, again, that's, that's a, a, another wee reference because Sawyer is using the, the baby to get to the mother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the whole the, the issues with uh, Sawyer's flashback there. I just thought it was quite nice, um, even though it was horrible. He was just holding this baby hog and was like, "Oh, I don't like this at all." So just <laughs> no. was like, "Oh, Sawyer, no." I mean, I think there's there's something about pigs or hogs when they screech. It's when yeah, they're in pain or they're upset. It's yeah, it oh, goes through me. It's horrible. But yeah, just just with horrible. the whole the old parent child thing, I thought it. it, it fit quite well in the, the Sawyer's backstory. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, and he gives Jack his gun, doesn't he? Jack's there and he um, get, hands over his gun, so all the guns now are with Jack, who, and he puts them back in the uh, Marshall's case. Uh, and this is the bit of the episode that I really liked, um, mm. where they start to talk... Now this I purposefully didn't mention this, and I'm kind of glad you guys didn't as well because um, it brings me to a specific line that Christian said to Sawyer in his flashbacks in the bar, and it also comes into my production notes that I've got written down. So Christian's line about people meaning to suffer, uh, he, he also adds that's why the Red Sox will never win the damn series. Um, not a sport I follow, but. I know what it refers to. Now, the production note that I've got is that, the, ironically, four months at, uh, before Outlaws aired, so I'd imagine they'd have got it in the can at this point, um, but the Boston Red Sox, funnily enough, won the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so that was my one production for this episode. But uh, Jack says the same thing. He says that's why the Sox will never win the series. Hmm. And I know it's a bit of a it's a bit of a jump, but it's one I believe because it's such a lovely moment. But in that moment, Sawyer kind of realizes that Christian is Jack's dad. Yeah, yeah, that's um, good. But he so, doesn't choose to tell him. Yeah, yeah. As I say, it's a bit of a reach, but it's one of those sort of. TV, uh, TV writer devices, you know, because because yeah. it happens in the same episodes, you know, I, I can suspend my uh, disbelief for that. It's just it's a cool wee callback. You just as soon as Jack says it, you're like, oh, okay, okay. I agree. I think it's one of those where no matter how daft it is, I'll, I'll run with it because it just it's that A to B thing. It's a bit muddy, it's a bit murky, but it gets me to be, and I'm satisfied with it. Oh, speaking of um, Batman, you know, it's the same, uh, you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? It's, it's the exact same thing, I guess. <laughs> oh my God, it is. <laughs> oh my God, and even though the Joker never killed Batman's parents, I still like that film. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. But uh, no, it's nice. Oh it's my nice. God, yeah, devil, yeah. Never dance with the devil in the pale moonlight, fantastic. So... I don't know if anyone's got anything else to add to that, but that kind of brings, uh, from my notes anyway, Outlaws to a close. Yeah. Just one, uh, the, one. Sorry, 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 John. No, no, you, you go ahead. Interrupt. Just, um, just one little. I don't know if it was an intentional Easter egg, but um, when Sawyer's got the face off with the with the boar, and you have the close up of the boar's face, um, uh, I really love. Lord of the Flies, the novel Lord of the Flies, it's one of my favorite books. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And through that book, there are several um, instances where uh, a number of the characters, a number of the boys, uh, meet um, the the the, bo- uh, the pig's head on the on the on the stake. Um, mm-hmm. And there's um, obviously the, the 1960 film. Uh, obviously, that it um, plays that out as well. And you get these got quite extreme close-ups, and it just kind of reminded me of that. I don't know if that was intentional because it's got nothing to do with the themes of this episode, but I thought it was just like a a nice little reference. Okay, absolutely. Does um, Sawyer so, so read Lord of the Flies? Is that one of his books that he's reading? That's a all? good point. Wonder if he does at any point because that would yeah. tie in. Because I, I know he reads uh, Tale of Two Cities at one point, which is. Which works within the context of the show, you know, the the, the crash survivors and the the others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just wondered if that was like a little going to be a little nod coming up. It might be something to look out for. But I'm I'm almost sure he does read Lord of the Flies. He he generally <laughs> does read um, the quote unquote literary classics. There's never like a book he reads, but you don't know what it is. It's always a very famous or well well known book. Yeah, so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's uh, it's must have been a very yeah. uh, upmarket airport in Sydney, you know, not, not the uh, not the usual airport paperbacks. Um, he, he has Taylor Swift <laughs> and uh, Lord of the Flies. Okay, so I'm very I'm very sad, but I've I've done a research very quick. So are you ready? These are the books that Sawyer reads just oh, to okay. end uh, this week's episode. So. Uh, Sawyer is the most avid reader of the Oceanic Flight 815 survivors. He's often seen kicking it on the beach. This isn't my words, by the way. This is someone else's. With a new book in his hands. He even started wearing glasses to read better. We'll get to that. Um, 
so the books that he's seen reading are Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret by Judy Bloom. Hmm. Don't know what that one is. I've never read it. I remember this. He reads uh, A Watership Down. Okay. Uh, a, ri- a Wrinkle in Time. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Lancelot. Uh, a book called Bad Twin. Oh, that Lancelot one's quite a good um, little on-the-nose reference to him. It is. It is. Okay. Um, yeah, Bad Twin um, of Mice and Men. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. Uh, um, a book called The Fountainhead. Uh, something he reads, uh, Evil Under the Sun, which is a Hercule Poirot mystery by, obviously, Agatha Christie. I'm not particularly sure of that one, but that's one he reads. Uh, the Invention of Moral, which uh, I've never read, but the quote here says that it's about a fugitive uh, on a des- on a deserted island. So there you go. Very okay. on the nose. <laughs> and the final book, um, he's not Fain seen on. reading it. He's not seen now. <laughs> he's not seen reading it, but it's found amongst his things very much later on in season six. It's called The Chosen. Um, ah, so, okay. Okay. so I was completely wrong. <laughs> well, I was wrong too. I could have sworn he was. Re- he read. Um, what you, I forgot what we were saying. Um, two what cities. Did we just talk? That's flies. it. Yeah. Lord of the Flies in two cities. I could have sworn he read definitely Taylor two cities. I'm sure he did. I'm going to write to Lindell off on Instagram and be like, "Yo, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Sawyer read Tale of Two Cities." Right. Uh, the only other production that I've got actually um, is that the lady in the flashbacks that Sawyer is wooing before he meets the T1000 <laughs> is uh, the daughter in real life of, I believe it's the daughter. Hold on, let me just get my facts right. Yep, is um oh no, he's is the wife, sorry, of uh Michael, Mr. Harold um Perrineau, yes. Perrineau, yes, Brittany okay. Perrineau. Huh. <laughs> so she's the girlfriend of Sawyer, and she also appears, I believe. Yep, she appears in two episodes' time, so for next week's discussion, she appears as the lady who reads the lottery numbers for Hurley. Oh, oh so that's... I've got a bit of a uh Okay, cross-casting. Cross-casting, yeah. Which I actually think happens a lot um, in the show. But there you go. So, with that, unless anyone else has got anything to mention, um, that wraps up this week. Excellent. Uh, yeah, it's a, a mixed bag on these episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very mixed, very mixed bag, but I enjoy I think sometimes more mixed bag episodes mean more discussion yeah oh yeah, yeah. No, absolutely um like as i say the the, the charlie one i was a bit the it was a wee bit i guess it would be a filler episode you know didn't tell us anything we didn't we didn't already know um i enjoyed the yeah the one more um even if i like making fun of sawyer I, I did enjoy the episode yeah 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 overall i think out of the two outlaws was my preferred choice mm, yeah I mean, you've got T one thousand as a guest star. <laughs> he's he's got to come back. As, 
he's established basically straight away as someone who knows Sawyer from his past, so maybe we see him again. Uh, I don't know, but it seems odd to have him just in one scene for such a, like John said, a known actor. Yeah, it is weird, isn't it? But I can't, I can't ever remember him popping up. Um, no, I can't, to be again. honest. <laughs> and I mean, I've rewatched it three or four times now, so I really can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's just the one episode, to be honest, but we shall see going forward. So on that note, thank you very much for anyone who's been listening. Thank you, Scott and John, as always. And um, we'll see you next week. What have we got next week? Next week, we have, I will tell you now, we have episode 17 and 18. So 17 is in translation, and it's Jin's episode, uh, which reveals the backstories of his, well, his, his job under um, Sun's uh... father. Yes. Another another quite good one, actually. Uh, and episode 18, as I've just alluded to, uh, is Numbers, which is a Hurley episode. <clears throat> Jesus. I, I thought that was season two. So we're going to get the, the lottery uh, the lottery win episode. You get the lottery win episode, and the season two one that you're referring to is very early on in season two. Everybody uh, hates Hugo. That's Yeah, that's my favorite episode of the, of the, of the whole show. So, oh, okay. Yeah. It's a good. <laughs> yeah. It, I think it's like episode four, so it's it's very early on. Brilliant. Very early on. Can't wait. Can't wait to look at those uh, <laughs> CG scenes. <laughs> you know which one I mean. <laughs> I know exactly which one you mean. I've only just, I've only in the last couple of weeks just watched it and thought, oh god, <laughs> it's one of those that you just think, shit in hell. Even though <laughs> I love this show, it, it's got moments. So yeah, next week in translation and numbers. So we will see you then. Thank you. Speak soon.